Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL's Josh Miller, for our final show of the year. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. And this evening, we're talking some software. Lenny Moreno will be by from the startup Softdesk, and we'll be talking about uh, taxes and uh, partnerships with Nick Morenas towards the end of the program. You know, a lot of businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs that we interview, Dan, uh, there's a lot of partners involved, a lot of shareholders, and uh, but there's some some tax things. I mean, other than the partnership, and, and you know, you've lived through a partnership or two, I know I have, uh, they're lots of fun, but there's a certain tax element to it that uh, some challenges that entrepreneurs should absolutely be aware of. Mm-hmm. Paperwork. Pretty important, so we'll get to that later in the show. And, of course, uh, Lenny's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur as well. Um, But first, uh, let's take a look at some entrepreneurial news of the week. And uh, the big uh, tech news last week, what we call Twiddle, this week in data loss. Twiddle notes, our Twiddle notes. Um, Yahoo says hackers stole information from over 1 billion accounts. Uh, 14-year-old me who was on Yahoo chat is devastated by this. Uh, but adult me it's, it's, uh, thinks it's okay. Uh, but if you do have a Yahoo account, obviously you have to take some precautions, especially if you're using it for your business. Um, how do you even quantify a, a loss like this for, for a business like Yahoo's? It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, the damage control that has to come in. It's actually even worse than that because the hack happened in 2013. It happened three years ago, three plus years ago. Uh, and, you know, the, the fact that they're, they it took X amount of time to announce it. I, I'm sure there's a lot of background. I'm sure they have to figure out what's been hacked or how or who. I'm sure they have they want to try and trace it where possible. Uh, but the fact that it's three and a half years later. So now there's a class action lawsuit that, uh, that I believe uh, there's a Canadian firm that's representing some Canadians. Because it's great to be told now, but what happened three years ago and two years ago when this hacker had all this information, when this hacker could go out and, you know, before maybe people were a little bit password sensitive, although they should be always, there's no question about it, but it's, uh, it just be careful, buyer beware. And of course, and I'm, I'm terrible at this. I mean, not that I have the one, two, three, four password, uh, but I, I probably don't have enough different passwords across the board. Uh, and, and it's I'm I'm at risk. I know I'm at risk. Uh, I don't know about you, Dan. Uh, and it's it may not be the easiest password that I have, but it's certainly not twelve different ones for twelve different sites. You know, I'm I, my passwords are changed regularly, so we'd like to keep up to date on that. Uh, but more broadly, I'm not too worried because I don't. I've, for many years now, even before this latest round of hacks, I just don't put stuff on the internet that is sensitive. Period. I, if if there's a sensitive document and need to t- take to a client, for example, I put it on the USB and I drive to their office. And uh, and for and for businesses or entrepreneurs or owners, uh, you know, there's a lot of sensitive information that your employees have. How many times do you force a password change for your employees? Mm -hmm. I don't know too many businesses that force a password change. I know we do at the firm, uh, you know, periodically we say you need to change your password every X number of months. Uh, I should adhere to that one day. Uh, But businesses can, can protect their own information at least to a certain degree by changing some of the passwords. I know it's more complicated than that. I know hackers can kind of get through and get other information, but at least from a personal nature, it's just trying to have at least one small wall. Uh, you gotta, gotta be done. For sure, and uh, definitely change those passwords on a regular basis. Um, made in Canada, certainly a very prestigious uh, label. Um, kind of means different things depending on the history of the product, but uh, in, in the States, it's actually kind of desirable, this made in Canada label. Well, I think it's more the not made in China or not made hmm. in a country that is not so close or doesn't necessarily have the reputation that the 
say Americans would like. Uh, and I know we're we're entering into 2017, and who knows what kind of protectionism is going to come up with uh, with President Elect uh, the Donald, um, and what walls figurative or literal might be there. But there's no question, being made in Canada, there have been a number of brands that have clung to that and just made it happen, found that niche just for that. I mean, you look at these Canada goo. You look at look at a number of, of, of products, and we've had a number of of, uh, of guests on the air, Dan, where they make stuff here. Now, yes, is it customized? Does it take a little longer? Is it a little more expensive? Yes, but it's quality. It's made here. It's not cheaply done, and it's readily accessible. Hmm. Um, it does vary with definition, though. I mean, depending on uh, what is made, it. I mean, some parts can be made elsewhere. Correct. There, so there, how, there the is that conversion. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I, if I know the specific rule. I don't know if it has to be at least thirty percent converted in Canada or hmm. forty before you can actually attach a label to it. Uh, you know, and and like like anything, there's there's always uh, numbers and 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 a, and a little uh, little twitch behind every single ruling, uh, and it's marketing. So you know, you can you can you can have marketing say anything. Uh, but but there has to be at least a minimum conversion, and if you actually have a hundred percent Canada or some major amount, why not advertise that? I think it's going to get you that much further. The uh, Shaughnessy Village is an interesting neighborhood in Montreal. It's right close to downtown, but has been underdeveloped for many years. And now there's this extraordinary opportunity with the old children's hospital being uh, uh, raised, and uh, it's going to make room for basically a small neighborhood. That's it. Children's Hospital is finally going to have a facelift, or should we say a demolish and a rebuild, uh, not a facelift. I think they might be keeping one building, uh, but but of course, in the end, it's far too expensive uh, with certainly the building codes today and, and everything that happened. So they, somebody has purchased it. As a matter of fact, somebody purchased it, was going to develop it, sold it to somebody else. Uh, and now that person that, that has purchased it is is going to build this, this monstrosity. It's going to be, like you say, a little mini village uh whether and it's so it's going to be residential it's going to be commercial it's going to be some small park uh they're really going to make uh quite quite uh, you know i think the yule is is like that too in downtown on rene levesque they're mm-hmm. kind of making that community so it's not just a building but it's it's that whole aspect of everything rolled into one you kind of see that when you know when i was in china you see that happening all the time. These these commu- now to a larger scale, of course. It's not just like you know five thousand people in community. It's more like two hundred fifty thousand people in a community uh, like that, where you have residential buildings and commercial space and parks and recreation, and everything is interlinked. Every link interlinked, excuse me, and underground access, et cetera, et cetera. You're just seeing them pop up everywhere. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a matter of convenience, whether uh, you know, I, I don't know what point people want to stay within their bubble or get out for me yeah great to have the convenience but i like to get out of my bubble so i don't want to always stay uh in that incestuous neighborhood uh but to each his own of course but on a day like this when it's cold i mean gotta love that model that that westmount square model that works so good a few decades later seems to be coming back in in a climate like ours absolutely if it was a climate that was uh, you know more adapt to being outside and, and what have you then maybe not but Anyhow, to each his own. It's just because it's not for me doesn't mean there's not a market out there. And how is a GM going to uh, put in this uh, this sustainability program by taking furniture out of landfills? Tell us about that. Yeah, there was this was an article I read uh, where you know I don't know how many I don't recall how many landfills that that, that they fill or or too many, but the amount of office furniture that gets tossed aside every single year by GE alone, let alone I mean, there's certainly. Of, of all the businesses out there, GE has started this program where they are giving away 
giving away all the furniture that they don't use and they close and open locations and they, they you know they between the growth and 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 rejuvenation and all that they are giving away furniture they're finding it they're sending it to schools they're sending it to uh to the underprivileged to to different low-income homes and housing area and i think it's great because it's it's you know that reuse recycle uh i think they're taking it to the nth degree and they're and they're they're keeping it out of the landfills because when you have all these desks and furniture, where else is there to put them? You can burn them, but I don't think people are burning them too much. Coming up on today's Entrepreneur, we'll chat with Lenny Moreno of SoftDesk and we'll talk taxes and partnerships later on in the program with Nick Moretis of FL. But first, it's 7.15. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, we welcome Lenny Moreno of SoftDesk. Welcome to CJD, Lenny. Thanks for having me, and, and really thank you for uh, you know for having this show, because honestly, I think that uh, you need more shows like this to actually inspire people, and like the form of entertainment that's out there is uh, it's not productive enough. <laughs> so honestly, like thanks a lot for having me, and thanks for having this show. It's uh, it's really a blessing to be well, here. Well, thanks. The show's inspired me too over the years. So. No, absolutely, and yeah. the and the education factor, uh, you know, for other entrepreneurs and listeners, I, I think we're doing a service. We like to think we're doing a service. <laughs> right, right, right. So, Lenny, before the show, you said you were going to come on and freestyle because uh, <laughs> you, you you used to be a right. rapper, so you can literally freestyle if you'd like. But why don't you freestyle to start uh, about Soft Desk? Tell me about the business. What do you do, and how did you get there? Yes, yes, of course. Um, so I used to be a solar installer. That was my first company, and then I. I realized that there was a lot of things missing really in order to be more efficient, to accelerate the sales, to accelerate the, the entire process of installing solar. So um, what happened is that I, I was installing and then I did everything. So I, I was finding the leads, the prospects myself. I was doing the entire sale, the entire project management, the installation. I was monitoring the system. I was dealing with the distribution companies. And then I just packaged everything on a piece of paper and I said, you know what? I want to help all the solar installers out there to actually do something that's efficient for them because a lot of people, a lot of contractors, they're not the most computer savvy people. So we were able to design with SoftDesk a perfect platform which basically embodies all of that together. So it's an all in one sales accelerating platform. And now it's becoming a marketplace. We have over 250 solar installation companies that are using it as, you know, their day-to-day tool. And they can basically enter an address and they can draw the lines on the satellite imagery of any address, of any roof. And then it's going to spit out a proposal Hmm. based on their parameters, their pricing, uh, their materials that they're using. It's going to give all the environmental impact the calculations, the financials, you can e-sign the document and then you can project manage everything from A to Z. And plus you can get your business, you can get your leads directly on the platform. So it's really, that's all you need in order to manage something. So now we're in over 25 states in the US and uh, we're also in Canada and uh, we're, we're, we're really killing it right now. So as we, as we go back to, uh, not quite the beginning, but almost, what do you know about software development? I mean, you knew about... Right. You know, installing <laughs> solar panels on roof. But right. what did you know about software development? Look, I think that the key thing for a good entrepreneur is knowing what he's not the best at. I can't code. I'm not going to sit around here and pretend that I'm the best coder. 
So you have to surround yourself with the best people that you're not the best at. So I partnered up with two guys. Uh, one of them, he's the best software developer I've ever met, and I met a lot of them. His name is Max. Max, if you're hearing this, shout out. <laughs> but he's really, supposed to be listening. He's your partner. He's supposed to be listening. Uh, you know, these family people sometimes, <laughs> they, you know, they, they have like their daughters yelling, and, you know, they have to take care of a lot of stuff. But the, the important thing is that I was able to partner up with the right people and we complete each other very well. And that's a key thing in business. You have to, you have to complete each other and you cannot micromanage. You cannot pretend like you know everything. So that's one thing that I'm, yeah, like I'm really happy that we're able to do. And there's no question team is hugely important. We hear that all the time from entrepreneurs and we'll come back from the break. We'll talk a little bit about more human resources and how you find people and, uh, and really what you look for in that, in that key partner and employee. Lenny Moreno of Softdesk joins us this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. This evening on the program, we're joined by Lenny Moreno of Softdesk. This is software that helps uh, roofing and uh, the installation and uh, connectivity when it comes to solar. Uh, so this is pretty interesting because back in the old days, I guess, Lenny, when you needed a roofer, you called him up. He'd have to get in his car, drive a half hour to your house, get yeah. up on the roof, take measurements. <laughs> yeah. This... You, so you, you were working as a roofer yourself and you decided, well, hey, uh, we can I can solve this. Yeah. What? Well, I... Actually, I was working as a solar installer myself, but you know, this is completely insane. Like, why would you, why would you travel uh, thirty minutes, an hour, go on the roof, spend time, spend money, buy food on the way, with no guarantee that the guy is going to sign the contract? So we're giving you a tool that is basically reducing all of your soft costs, and then you're you're able to apply these savings to reduce. The overall, the overall price of that turnkey solution to go solar. So you can be a lot more competitive and you're saving so much time, so much money. So we, we were able to, to basically have all of our clients save millions of dollars just on that and then be a lot more competitive and empower the entire solar industry. And that's the way to do it. You know, you, you, you cannot stick to your old ways and walk around with a piece of paper and take like physical measurements. This is, this is not the room. It's not a way. So, so yeah. is is it easy to market your product? Is it easy to go up and say, "Hey, what you're going to save a boatload of money and time, which is money, of course, soft yeah. costs, right?" By using this product, I think that one of the key ingredients that happen because I crossed America driving from Montreal to LA. Then I stayed four months in LA because that's like thirty five percent of our market. Then I I drove from LA to Florida and then Florida back to Montreal. I met with hundreds of solar installation companies and I was able to show them as them, I am you, I am the solar installer that used to do exactly what you're doing right now. I, I went through the same line of problems and here I am with the solution. I'm telling you, I've, I've tried it, I worked it, I did the same steps as you did and that's how people will relate. And the reason why we're really winning this market is because people can relate to someone who did the same thing as them. Does that mean you can't train your people to do, give the same sales pitch as you do? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm doing actually? We're, we're, like we're really a sales accelerator platform. So by doing that, the smartest thing to do is spread the knowledge. You know, I'm giving uh, tricks that I used to use to close deals and I'm giving that like publicly, anyone that's a member has access to all the tips and all the tricks to the trade that I used to do because I sold for tens of millions of dollars of residential solar back when I was a salesman and an installer. 
So I'm giving all these tricks and people, and we're incorporating and coding these directly into the platform so it's easy for them. So more marketing, and of course you went for some Series A funding, a round of financing. We'll hear about that too and some lessons learned when we come back. We're chatting with Lenny Moreno of SoftDesk this evening on Today's Entrepreneur at 7.30. This evening we're chatting with Lenny Moreno of SoftDesk and coming up later, Nick Moretis from FL will be along to talk about partnerships. Uh, but first, Josh Miller, uh, back to Lenny and I think an interesting um, phenomenon. We were talking about this last week on the show, how there are so many ideas that come from employees and here with Lenny we have someone who was an employee installing solar panels and said, well, there's got to be a better way. And so initially, Lenny, you went on the road to, to market SoftDesk and uh, and now you've merged more to, to online sales. So tell us about that, 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 that first pitch and how your, how your marketing has evolved since then. Yeah, I mean, it's not sustainable to actually just go on the road and meet people face to face. Uh, it's costly, it takes some time, it takes some energy. The reason why I crossed America and I did it is because you want feedback from the ground and you want to show traction. And that's what we did and that's what we've accomplished. But moving forward, we have organized everything with HubSpot. And honestly, HubSpot should pay me for this advertising. But <laughs> honestly, if you think about it, you have to do marketing and sales automation. And that's what we're doing right now. All the things that we can automate, we automate them. So based on behaviors, people that go on your site, that fills out a form, that subscribes to a newsletter, then it triggers an action, an email, a survey, and then it qualifies a whole bunch of clients based on what you want to do and who you need to follow up first. So I think that that this approach should be used by a lot of companies to automate the maximum things that they can automate. Did you did you know about HubSpot before? You know, did, like how did you choose HubSpot over a different platform? Well, we deal with a marketing firm here uh, for a year now that uh, was a big advocate. So we were a bit skeptical. I got to say, it's been on the expensive side, but um, honestly, the price is worth it. So they convinced us, they made a whole presentation on how it works. And then we said, you know what, we'll try it, we'll adopt it. And now we got all of our sales, our marketing, our client care, our retention processes all triggered automatically. And uh, we, have, we have reduced our churn rate tremendously just because of that. It takes care of clients without you having to put that much effort. And you're in an interesting industry. So there's a lot of education going on and, and certainly you know, different parts of the world treat solar energy differently. Right, right. Well, you know, I um, I got to say that uh, here here in Quebec, I think that they need to put a little bit more incentives. Uh, and I'm speaking straight to the government. I mean, you, you, you need to watch what's happening out there. And even if the price per kilowatt hour is so low, there's still some avenues and there's still some opportunities if you think about what we can accomplish with renewable energy. So if you look at Ontario, for example, in 2009, they started the MicroFit program. They started with a big incentive. It was 80.2 cents per kilowatt hour to sell it back to the grid. And a whole bunch of people jumped on it like a gold mine. It created a whole bunch of jobs. It created a whole bunch of projects. So I think that we need to basically focus on what the successful spots have done in solar and duplicate that start with a micro project and then expand it look at california look at over 20 states in the u.s it's profitable to go solar it's even profitable in the uk even if there's no sun but because the government is backing it properly so you know this is my message to governments utilities 
you really need to look at the at the long-term payback in the end it does make sense financially and that's what investors are looking for so we're in the right business that i guarantee my next question was about the technology uh you know what what, what if what about the argument that it's too too cloudy here too snowy i mean you right. look at countries like germany they seem to make it work of course of course it's really not that much about the weather the technology is there. It's really about how you make it profitable. In terms of installing it straight south with the right angle, um, that is just details. But in the end, are the incentives there to make it profitable? And now, with the price of solar going down and the price of batteries going down as well, we're finding turnkey solutions to be extremely profitable so that the price for an, an entire turnkey solution, we're reaching grid parity soon which means that the price for conventional electricity is becoming the same or higher than renewable energy. So once we're reaching that target, which is very soon, and they've reached it in many spots, I'm telling you, solar will be the number one spot. Now, we're going to switch gears a little bit because of all this, all this development and technology and growth factor does require a little bit of financing behind it. It's not just about <laughs> donating time and, right, and right. you you really got to go out and you got to find your financing. You got to go right. uh, find your sources. Uh, you've you've been recently. You're going through a, a Series A or a round of financing. Right. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of listeners, a lot of entrepreneurs hear about you know rounds of financing and Series A. Right. W- what's been your experience? What what kind of knowledge can you impart? I can honestly, I can stay all night talking about this because well, I you, you got you got two and a half minutes. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I can tell you something. Uh, if you want to be at the top, you need to surround yourself with the best. And when I'm talking about the best, I mean the best in your industry, the people that can back you in the right spot, the people that can back you for the right things, for the things that you're missing. Is it because it's credibility? It just adds that much more credibility? Well, it's that, but it's also opportunity because they're they're giving you a whole bunch of contacts. You know, I'm not going to name any names right now, but I was at at our investors' annual meeting. It was in, uh, in the south of Florida, and we spent some amazing time. Four days, we had the most amazing time, 150 people, and all inside the clean tech industry. So just in that meeting, the amount of contacts and business opportunities for other businesses and strategic partners that are invested in the same fund to make deals together, it grows these opportunities just together. So you're saying they feed off each other? They feed off each other and they find ways to partner up because everybody wants to make money in the end. So if people will find a fit and they trust you and they trust the people that are backing you, then you're in the right fund. But you know, to the ones listening that are looking for financing, you have to you have to do your homework. You have to make sure that you know your your market. You have to make sure that you're with the right people. You're surrounded with the right team. That your product is not uh, obsolete or it's not way too competitive. You, there's there's a lot of things that. Uh, that I can say. I mean, I give some speeches sometimes to uh, young startups, young young entrepreneurs to give them some of my perspective of, you know, like what I've been through. Um, like when they're going to pitch their product, their service, what do you tell them? Like, what do you tell them to either avoid or focus on when they're sitting in front of them, some sophisticated investors? Yeah. My number one advice is know your stuff. You have to know your stuff. If these people, they know what they're doing. 
in the end, they're looking at the bottom line. And what is the bottom line return on investment for that fund? The fund is looking to make X amount of profit, X amount of times the amount invested. So if you can find a way to show your model and make sure that it makes sense and make sure that there's a market and make sure that you got the right team and you're in the right timing for your product, then there's no way in hell why investors wouldn't support you. And the other last thing I want to say about this is, you know, a lot of people say, ah, you know, let's let's talk about the entrepreneurs, what they can do. I can tell a little bit about the what the investors can do. And I honestly want them to know that it's important to support the real instead of supporting the phony. You have to support the real when it comes to what is this entrepreneur wants from life. It's not just about the money. There's way there's a lot of other things that has to make sense and not just the product. It's yes, there is a return on investment, but there is something beyond just money. And but that's what you want to support. It's it's a package and we see that actually time and time again where investors, whether it's whether it's commercial bankers or angel investors, they invest in the individual at yes. least as much as they invest in the product or service, we, we we see that time and time again. And I know we, like you say, Lenny, we could talk about this yeah, all night. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but as we come up to our next break, and and we're gonna have Nick come in because you know I, I know Lenny, you have partners, and there's definitely some partner issues, not just from a legal standpoint, but right. there's some tax planning and a lot to go with it. So we're gonna uh, welcome Nick Moretis uh, to discuss that after the next break. All about partnerships next on today's Entrepreneur at seven forty five. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. We have Lenny Moreno, our guest this evening from Softdesk. His one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur is on the way. Uh, and we welcome Nick Moreno's tax partner at FL to talk about partners. Uh, you guys are partners. We we are. Uh, you know, there's different partners and partnerships. There's also shareholders. You know, a lot of companies really have shareholders that that work together. They call themselves partners, but the legal entity is shareholders. And, uh, and and Nick keeps nodding. He's he's like busting at the seams to try and talk. So Nick, what can you tell us in your well, in your you tax world, here. your tax world, and what, shareholders? What well, comes in to our mind? entrepreneurial world, your, your shareholders are partners because they're usually involved in the business. It's not like you're buying a public company where you never even know where they had offices. So um, uh, you know, Lenny, you mentioned you know getting the right people around you as your partners, and I think that's uh, that's more important than anything that I'm about to say. But once you once you get those people involved. And usually, what we tend to find is that the the relationship between the partners and and, and what the business is doing has to be settled out. Um, which partners are going to be the voting partners? Which partners maybe are not going to be the voting partners? Uh, which partners are putting in the money? Which partners cannot put in the money, but they're putting in the skill? Um, and how do you reward he who's providing capital? And how do you reward he who's providing the sweat? And and that's a lot of where we 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 sit down, we look at. Uh, it works in a partnership, um, and it works in company, but we use different tools. Uh, and many times uh, when you're looking at a company, you're looking at shares. Everybody says, uh, I'm going to have common shares, um, and which is fine because common shares are the guys who get whatever is left over in the company. You share it amongst the common shareholders. But what if you know, you're doing all the work? And you're there 60 hours a week, and somebody else says, "Well, I don't necessarily want to work, but I like your idea. You know, I'll, I'll supply the capital. So, should he have the same rights to profit as you?" And that's where we get a lot of discussion, which therefore leads into a very important document, which is the shareholders' agreement. And many times at the beginning, at the inception, uh, at the, the business, who has money to pay on the shareholders' agreement? All you want to do is get your product to market or get your service to market, start generating some sales. 
and 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 figure out who's really doing what. But at some point in time, you get a guy like Josh or, or myself coming along, knocking on your door. But where is your shareholders agreement? Let's get it done now while things are going well, while everybody's talking to each other to establish the what's our rights and responsibilities. And that's a key document. So what we... You had a comment? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that While you I was are. Talking? Yeah, I think that <laughs> it's just it's just like home for Nick. You know, right, we just right. keep going. I think I think that you're absolutely right. But it's important to do it really at the basis, at the root, in the beginning of the company, because as soon as you see some traction, people they just have a tendency to become greedy. Well, and I'm very wanna, glad that you said that. You want to make because sure. you're living it. Oh, I, I as I opposed know to me it. selling, uh, saying that, and you're thinking I'm selling something. But you're absolutely correct. Uh, it's Usually that's the time is when you're sitting around the table. Here's our idea. Let's talk about some basic parameters. Who's going to be the boss? Uh, what are the responsibilities of everybody else? What happens if we want to buy each other out? Who's going to put up the money and under what, what conditions? Uh, if the bank is going to also be putting in money, they're going to probably want you know somebody to guarantee. Well, is it all for one and all and one for all, or is it going to be just you for some part and I'm and I'm off? And that's what the shareholders agreement is trying to establish. And it's sort of like I hate to say it, it's like a prenup in a sense because you're trying to establish a relationship when everybody I guess loves each other as to what's going to happen when we do not love each other. I I agree. And I couldn't agree more. And I think it's the same relationship between the investors and the entrepreneurs. It's like a marriage. That's actually even it's even more because an investor is where we're moving away from the partner word that Josh mentioned before. Right. Now you're bringing in an investor. Someone's putting in money and is expecting results. He's not there necessarily with you day in and day out. But he, he can't provide you advice. He can sit on your board, tell you this is what's happening in the market. But he has a very different perspective where this might become your baby, right. where it's not his baby. And then there's possibility of an employee becoming a partner or a shareholder. And when we come back from the break, we'll challenge Nick with that as well. Partnerships. Nick Moretis from FL and Lenny Moreno from Softdesk will have Lenny's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in just a moment. Partners this evening. Now to end today's entrepreneur, Nick Moretis, tax partner at FL with us, and Lenny Moreno of Softdesk. He'll, uh, his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. Uh, but first, Josh, uh, that complicated part, that partnership process, especially when you have a new one on the way. And, you know, the time of the year, you know, there's January 1st coming up, a lot of new partners getting named, uh, you know, or shareholders. But sometimes you have a really key employee, somebody, somebody that puts their heart and soul in it that you actually want to include as a shareholder. You didn't necessarily imagine it when they first came on board, but they certainly built it up. What are the challenges, Nick, to bringing on an employee as a shareholder, especially if they have no money? Well, okay, yeah, that was my thunder. It's The question is, if they have the money, there's no big challenge. We find a lawyer, we do an agreement, and they're there. Uh, the issue, though, with um, most is that you have someone who is vital to the business. Uh, there's a long term with the, with this this individual, but they don't have the funds to come in and and buy you out buy out a certain percentage, uh, unless it's such a meaningless percentage. So, what we look at is there's different techniques, and we there's pros and cons. Uh, there's there's a, a notion of an option. Uh, we can have an option that you will acquire shares at whatever price today, or I want to give you shares in a private company, for no, and these shares are worth X, uh, you have to hold on to them for a certain period of time, and there's tax consequences arising from that. Uh, there's others who might turn around and say, look, I want you to put some money in the company, some find something so that there's a little bit of sweat involved, because when you have nothing invested, 
you lose the perspective that uh, that power. So let's put in something, but it's not going to be anywhere near what the company's worth. And then we'll work with the options. We'll work with maybe a very strong bonus system. We'll work with something to give you the right to participate. And a lot of them are, are figuring that at some point in time, if there's a liquidity event in the future, I can uh, I, I have my skin in the game. A and B, there's something that I can get that I, I can get the monumental cash flow if ever the company is sold or as Len goes public in a few years, uh, I guess, right, Len? So that's uh, <laughs> but the, that's but, it, but goes, the, you can't just give it and walk away. There's definitely implications. There's Thank you very th- thanks yep. so much, Nick. No and as we approach the last moment of our show of in the last show of 2016, Dan, we'll turn to uh, Lenny Moreno of Softdesk and ask you, Lenny, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean. I had a few seconds to think about it and uh and honestly i'm speaking directly to the entrepreneur that still has his job and is making a project on the side i say to you think about whether or not this is really for you because the amount of sacrifice that it takes if you have no money and you have no support and you have to start from scratch you have to be willing to absorb a whole bunch of sacrifices and I'm talking about no money, no lifestyle, uh, sleepless nights, debts, problems, and you have to be you have to be willing to take it in. So think about whether or not this is really for you that you're ready to make the jump. I mean, it can take a toll not only on your on your life and your your business and your money and your bank account, but on your love relationships, on your family, on your friendships. This is a big, big commitment. And if you're not ready to really put it on the line, then you're not meant for this. And that's my one piece of advice. Thanks so much, Lenny. Lenny Moreno from Softdesk. Nick Moreno's partner, tax partner at FL. Thanks, guys. Thanks. And Josh, another year wraps up. Uh, We'll see you back here in January. Back towards the end of January, Dan, with some other great entrepreneurs and great stories and great pieces of advice. See you next year. Take care, guys. Don't forget the holiday is a great time to brainstorm for entrepreneurial uh, activities in the new year. Yeah, thanks for having me. Time to reinvent. Thanks, guys. Happy holidays. Bye-bye.